open our Bibles to the Gospel according to John, chapter 6. In this chapter, Jesus has fed the 5,000, and he walks on the waters to be with his disciples, and then they take leave of the people. Let's begin at verse 24 to the end of the chapter. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which is endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is my Father's will which sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, 
and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Now this is my text here, the next verses. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. <clears throat> Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So far the reading of God's word. Let's also go to the catechism. Lord's Day 28. Page 16 in the back of your Psalter. Lord's Day 28, question 75. How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and all his benefits? Answer thus. Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him adding these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me, and his blood was shed for me, as certainly as I see my, with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me, and further, that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood, as assuredly, as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. Question 76. <clears throat> what is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? Answer. 
It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal, but also besides that, to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us so that we, though Christ is in heaven, and we are on earth, are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit, as members of that same body are by one soul. Question 77. Where is Christ promised that he will certainly feed and nourish believers with his body and blood as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? And the answer, in the institution of the supper, which is thus expressed. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. This promise is repeated by the Holy Apostle Paul, where he says the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body because we are all partakers of that one bread. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> last week with baptism, we were taught that baptism pictures our entrance into the covenant of God. And that's why it's done once. One can only enter that kingdom once and for all in regeneration. And nothing can take away that new life. The Lord's Supper is a sign and a seal of our being fed and being nourished within that covenant. And just as you and I, boys and girls, have to eat every day in order to have strength to do our work and to play so also spiritually, we need to feed on Christ Jesus if we're going to be strong children of God. After the Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus dismissed Judas. And then he had the Lord's Supper, communion with his disciples where he broke bread and said, this is my body, where he poured out wine, this is my blood. So the Lord's Supper symbolizes what it means to live in the covenant of God. Sitting down with family around a table, with God as our Father, we're his children, or one day the wedding feast, 
Christ the host and you and I the guests. The table of communion. Notice with me then, first of all, the rich symbolism. Notice, second of all, the hungry partakers. And thirdly, the blessed nourishment. Rich symbolism. We have in the Lord's Supper a symbolism of God's covenant relationship with us in Christ Jesus. We are family. We are dear friends. Our tables at home should reflect that. In other words, it should not be fighting or bickering, not between parents, not between children, not between parents and children, but it's a sacred time in our homes when we enjoy one another's fellowship. We're family. Well, so also in the Lord's Supper. First of all, there is the table itself, isn't there? And notice, not an altar. In the Roman Catholic churches, there is an altar where they believe that Jesus Christ is sacrificed over and over and over again. There was one altar, and that was the cross. Not to be repeated, but instead there's a table. That table is a sign of fellowship and love together. God is our Father, we are his sons and daughters. Jesus Christ is the host and we are the guest, and he bids us to come and partake of him. So it's not only our fellowship with God, but also our fellowship together. We eat the bread, not each individually, but together at the same time. Remember, shortly after I came to the Protestant Reformed Churches, that in one of our churches, as the elders were handing out the bread and then the wine, each individual took what was theirs. Thankfully, that changed some years later. There's symbolism. We sit down together as God's children, as a family, and we partake of Christ Jesus. And so the table emphasizes again to us our place in that family of God and that God loves us and God supplies all of our needs physical and especially spiritually so the sign of the table fellowship second of all there is the sign of the bread bread which is necessary nourishment. It is that simple food that we partake of each day. But not only is there then bread, the necessity of life, but there's also wine. And wine points out that we are not only given the basic necessities in Christ Jesus, but we are given superabundance. We are given luxury stuff. We are given that which makes us full of joy and happiness. That's the picture of wine. 
And that's why we do not replace it with grape juice. Wine is abundance. It's happiness. It's joy together. As it will be in the great wedding feast when we are with Christ Jesus at the banquet table. So there is the table itself. There is the bread and the wine. And there is the picture there every communion time of the bread being broken in pieces and the wine being poured out. That also is important because it points out how Christ willingly had his body broken there on the cross. No, not the bones broken, but it was broken. Broken by the thorns that were on his head. Broken by the whip lashes on his back. Broken by the nail holes through his hands and through his feet. Oh, Christ was willing to be broken for our salvation. And the cup of wine being poured out and filled. It's a picture of Christ willing sacrifice there in the cross. He could have come down. His enemies encouraged him to come down. Show that you're God. If you're really, you've healed others, why not yourself? But he would not. But rather he continued to pour out his blood for our sins. So the table. Bread and wine. Bread and wine broken and poured out for us. And it symbolizes for us that Jesus Christ's sacrifice there on the cross was for the forgiveness of our sins. But it's not only that. Christ's body was broken and his blood was poured out also so that we might be restored to wonderful fellowship with God. Fellowship like Adam and Eve had there in the garden before there was any sin coming between them and God. In Christ Jesus, our sins are gone, there's no barrier, and now we have that wonderful fellowship with Christ Jesus. And as that physical food each day nourishes and strengthens us so that we can carry on our life. So also Christ Jesus, as he comes in his word, Christ Jesus, as he sits with us at his table, makes us spiritually healthy. He feeds us spiritually. and He will continue to do that every day of our life here on earth until he finally takes us home to be with him in heaven. Daily strength. And then thirdly, can you remember almost the table, the bread and the wine, the bread broken and the wine poured out, and then there is our eating and drinking. For boys and girls, if the table maybe this past Thanksgiving, was all filled with good food and all you do is look at it and you don't eat of it, it doesn't help you at all. 
And so also when Christ is preached, if you only have there the words of, about Christ Jesus and you have the picture of the table, but you don't eat, it doesn't help you at all. And so as John Calvin puts it, and also then our Belgic Confession puts it in Article 35, faith, faith is the hand and is the mouth of our souls. Food and drink are of no importance to us or no benefit without our eating and drinking. And so the broken body and poured out wine of Jesus, uh, blood of Christ Jesus is of no benefit of, to you or me without faith. So when we have the Lord's Supper again, take, eat that bread. Receive that cup of wine. Receive it by faith. Receiving Christ Jesus and all of his benefits. What rich symbolism, this first point. Symbolized is friendship with God. Eating and drinking with God at his table. And doing that as a family, as a community of believers. Rich symbolism. That brings me to my second point. The hungry partakers. Those who are called to that table and those who are drawn to that table by God are those who are members of Christ's church. It is not the case that just anyone may come and partake. But Christ instituted this supper for his church. And therefore we have to understand also then that partaking is an obligation, isn't it? It's an obligation. We read in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and let him drink of that cup. Come. Come to the table. And that's why, young people, please understand also why it is absolutely necessary for you to make confession of your faith. Because Jesus says, remember me. Do this until I come again. It's a command. And so you've been taught about Christ Jesus, your life. You come at that years of discretion so that you can understand what that means and what it obligates you to. Confess your faith before God's people and confess that faith daily in your walk in the life. And you are able to come and partake of the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we examine ourselves, as we come to that table, and do I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior? Do I know my need for Jesus Christ because of all of my sins? Do I sincerely want to live for him each day? Hungry partakers. Hungry partakers are those who are healthy. 
When I was the very first time in the Philippines checking out the field, I came down with food poisoning. I had to lodge the last night before coming back to the States right near the kitchens in the hotel. And all you could do is smell that food and it would cause your stomach to curl up. You didn't want anything to do with that. Likewise, we need to be healthy spiritually so that we are hungry for food on the table, aren't we? And as that's true in the physical world, beloved, that's also true in the spiritual world. Hungry. Not coming to the table hating someone else. Not coming to the table willingly walking in sin. No, 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 no. That's not healthy. But you come to the table as needy sinners saying, I need Christ Jesus. I desire Christ Jesus. I'm nothing without Christ Jesus. And so maybe just like this past Thanksgiving then, you could smell all those good smells going on in the kitchen. You can't wait to come to the table so also spiritually. Having your own private devotions worshiping with God's people. We look forward to each communion service when we sit down together and we not only hear the story about Christ Jesus and his love for us, but we see it with our eyes and we taste it with our, hand, with our mouth and we handle it with our hands. God's children, only members of the church, may partake of that Lord's Supper. We don't make a general invitation to whoever is there come to the table, but that table is supervised by the elders. That's what that term close communion means. Notice there's a difference between that term and the other term closed. Closed means only the very members of this church in good standing may partake. Close communion means supervised. Supervised by the elders so that we may partake worthily. Do you remember what happened in the Corinth church? In the Corinth church, they were a little bit more liberal. In fact, much more liberal than Christ Jesus. They said, we have such big hearts here, anyone may partake of the table. And they knew that a man was lying with his father's wife. And they did nothing else about it. What happened? What happened? Sickness and even death came into that congregation. That is why we have a supervised supper by the elders, lest God's wrath be turned out on his church. The Corinth church was told to excommunicate that man who was living in sin and how wonderful that work of excommunication worked salvation in the heart of that man so that in 2 Corinthians we read of Paul telling the congregation take this man back again as a brother in Christ Jesus. 
members of Christ's church. Members in good standing may come. Why is it they alone who may come? Because that body that is broken pictures the death of Jesus Christ. And Christ died only for his sheep. And therefore they and they alone are called as guests at Jesus' table. Supervised by the elders, Christ Jesus through them, guarding his table for he gave himself for them and them alone. Do you appreciate the work of your elders? Those elders that make family visitation to care for all the sheep and the lambs? Do you love the elders' work as they supervise the table here? Do you value the time of the elders as they teach catechism classes or Bible studies for you? They care for your soul. They care about the sacraments that they are properly done so that God's blessings may flow on his church rather than being withheld. There is great blessing to those who come in faith. But there is also greater condemnation to those who come sinfully to the table, willingly walking in sin or bitterness or greed or hatred. And that's why we are called to examine ourselves. Called to examine ourselves not in order that we may stay away from the table. That's not the point. Called to examine ourselves so whatever is wrong in our life, we get it right. We work at it so that we may come then with God's people to the table and enjoy that nourishment of Christ Jesus himself. And we're going to get to that in the third point. We come to the table because spiritually we are hungry for Christ Jesus. And we're hungry for his blessings. How we need that forgiveness of sins how we need his life in us so that we are fashioned more and more in his image. We are hungry for that broken bread. We are hungry for that broken body of Christ Jesus. And we are thirsty. Thirsty for that wine that is poured out that luxury, that superabundance, thirsty for Christ Jesus. Think a moment of that Samaritan woman there at the well. Jesus asks water of her. She's surprised. And Jesus says, if, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for this water, this everlasting water of life that you drink of and you would never need again. We're hungry for Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus satisfies the need of your and my hearts and lives. For apart from Christ Jesus, we are dead. But we are made alive in Christ Jesus. 
And so by reading God's word at home in our individual devotions, hearing God's word explained on the Sabbath day, morning and evening, coming and enjoying the sacraments, we receive that wonderful fellowship with Christ. We receive that strength that we need for our continued pilgrimage. Do you recognize that, child of God? As the hymn writer would write, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Do you know that need each day? That need to be fed with Christ Jesus through his word. That need to be fed with Christ Jesus at his table by faith. Receiving strength so that then we can fight the good fight of faith. Run the race that is set before us. For that battle is real, isn't it? I want to take you again back into the physical when the soldiers of a country are fighting, they have to fight day in and day not at night, and they become weary. And that's why they have a period when they are, have R&R. They're pulled off from the field. Others are sent forward so that they may rest up again, be nourished again, and then with strength to go forth again in the battle. Spiritually, you and I need that. Because Satan is out there, out to get you. Because the world is tempting you, alluring you, or persecuting you. And because you got that own sinful nature within yourself that you have to fight against. Do you say with the hymn writer, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. running that race as before us, whether it be for a couple years, whether it be for 70 or 80 or 90 years, it's a long race. It's a tiring race. It's a difficult race. And we need to be nourished by faith. We need to be nourished with Christ Jesus. And I want you to notice that recognizing that need for Christ Jesus, having that spiritual hunger for Christ Jesus, is all the work of God's grace. He shows you and me our need, our own weakness, how we need strength. And he gives us that spiritual health and strength by the means of grace. We hunger for Christ. We hunger for him crucified and risen from the dead. That brings me to my third point then, the blessed nourishment. Sitting down at the table with our Lord Jesus Christ, receiving that kind of nourishment, it is a pledge to us. So it's not only a sign, but it's a pledge. It's a pledge of God's continual love for us and his faithfulness to us. He doesn't leave us alone. 
but he draws us irresistibly there. He shows us our need so that we desire to come. And as we come to this table, we long for the greater table, that marriage feast with Christ Jesus. When all the saints have been gathered and have been born, and we are taken up into the new heavens and the new earth. What a day that will be. When our Jesus we see, and as the host, and as the bridegroom, he says, Bride, come and enjoy life with me forevermore. Why do we long for that day? Why is that a sight for sore eyes? Because as we read in this Lord's Day, the bride, the church is here on earth yet, while her husband is already in heaven. And so we're waiting for that great wedding day. Let me use another illustration. When there were those who would come from Ireland, or from England, or from the Netherlands, Quite often, the husband, the father, would come over first. He would come over first in order to find work, in order to prepare a house, and when all things were ready, when he had earned enough money to ship the wife and the children over, then they come. What a time that was for the wife and the children back in the old countries, waiting for the the father and the bride to say, come, all things are ready. And that's exactly our case now, isn't it? Yes, Christ is with us by his spirit, but we miss him physically. We long for that day when we're going to see him face to face. We're going to hear his own voice. Now we hear it but through the spirit. But when we are with Christ Jesus, here in this world, we have much at times to despair of. At times, maybe we even wonder, am I going to make it? Satan is luring me back to sin again. Will Christ still receive me, or will he turn his back on me? That happens, doesn't it? That happens quite often in human marriages all around us with statistics saying that one half of marriages break apart. What about our marriage to Christ Jesus? Will he turn his back on me when I have slipped again into sin? And from the scriptures we're told no. No, because faithful is he who has called you. Faithful is he who has created new life in you which cannot be taken away. You and I are unfaithful, but God is faithful, and Christ Jesus is faithful. Oh, that supper, the Lord's Supper that we have here, is a pledge of Christ's deep, hearty love towards us. And as we partake now by faith, we will partake fully when Jesus comes again. What wonderful promises 
we receive of our Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What lovely promises that we have. In this Lord's Supper, in this feast, we are strengthened more and more with Christ's life. We are more and more united to Christ Jesus by faith. And not only united more and more to Jesus Christ, but also united more and more together as members of his body. Sometimes we might get on each other's nerves. We might even go so far as to think that we'd be better off without this or that person. But through the coming of Christ Jesus and his giving himself for all of his body, we recognize every member of the body is important to Christ Jesus. Just as your human body needs all the different organs and parts to function well, spiritually too we need each other we live we're governed forever by the holy spirit so that we are those living members or those living stones that are built into a tabernacle for our god what a blessing boys and girls i hope you really always appreciate your parents your parents, your father, your mother may be working real hard, your mother making meals for you, making your beds for you, providing clothing for you, how you need your parents to care for you. Well, beloved, the same is true spiritually. Every day we need our Father in heaven and we need our Lord Jesus Christ to continue to nourish us spiritually so that we are healthy Christians, healthy children of God who love him and want to serve him. Notice in our passage that the Lord talks about that life that is given. I hope you never think of eternal life as something that I'm going to get in the future. You and I have eternal life now already by regeneration. You and I have the blood of Christ running through us. You and I have that life now. It can never be lost, but it's going to be enhanced far greater when Jesus comes again. In the Lord's Supper, we receive God's grace. And that's why it's called a means of grace, isn't it? An instrument by which God's grace flows to us. Just as the preaching of the word is the primary means of grace, the way that God's grace flows to us, so also the baptism and the Lord's Supper, these sacraments are added to the word. Through those means, we not only hear about God's grace, but we see that grace. Christ given for us. Entrance into the kingdom, nourishment in the covenant from day to day. 
God is preparing us, changing us. We are being made more and more like God in his attractiveness and in his beauty. He works that in us more and more, that we resemble him. Different from the world, antithetical to the world. We are God's children, tasting God's favor and God's love. Oh, how he lavishes that love on us. In his word and in the sacraments, he says, you are mine. And we're going to hear that tonight in that passage from Isaiah. I am the children whom God has given to me. Oh, beloved, that grace is an undeserved grace. It is a grace that really was forfeited by us. And it stands all in contrast with our own merit or earning it. You and I don't deserve it. Boys and girls, sometimes you don't deserve dad and mom's arm around you saying, you're mine, I love you. You don't deserve it at times. You've been naughty or rebellious. But your parents do love you. And so also with our God in heaven. Sinful we are. Sinful till we die. But God knows us in Christ. Jesus loves us, calls us his friends and his children. And he cares for us. That grace showered upon us, now worked within us by the power and the operation of the Holy Spirit. You and I stand. You and I live. You and I are called to point away from ourselves to God's glory. Nourished in Christ. What a wonderful table that is. What do we read about that table? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil. You cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Antithetical. God says, you're my children. Forsake the tables that the world has for you. They might look pleasant. Sin always looks pleasant to our sinful nature. Be drawn to Christ's table, table of fellowship, table of love, table of nourishment, table of grace. Amen. Father, we thank thee for ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to his church. We're thankful for eyes that are able to look at the communion table. We're thankful for the nose that can smell the bread, the wine. We're thankful for the mouth that can partake of that bread broken and that wine poured out. And all of those things help assist the preaching of the word so that we may have confidence. God loves me. God loves me in his son, Jesus Christ. God cares for me. God nourishes me. God draws me closer and closer to himself. Whom to know 
is life everlasting. Amen.